following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. Twelve thirty, so you know what time it is. Time for the Sumner County Sports Podcast. Here with Zach Womble. Joining us always behind the scenes is our soon-to-be award-winning producer, Justin Kulik. We told you last week we were able to uh, officially now call him by his his birth-given name. So uh, no more no more, no more intern talk as I currently still bring it up, but now it's Justin Kulik. Uh, as always, we want to ask you to please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast wherever you may be listening. If you're following us on YouTube, that's awesome. You can check out our entire host. Uh, our entire catalog of shows, including yours truly. Um, but wanted just to get jumping right into today's episode. We were able to catch up with Westmoreland play-by-play announcer Terry McCormick uh, to talk about the Eagles' fast start. They're forward to 2-0 and in region play. They've got a big game against White's Creek this week. They take a bye, and then they're going to play in what we all presume to be the region championship against East Robertson at home. So let's hear what Terry had to say about the upstart Eagles on Westmoreland all season long, I, you know, ever since I talked with Chad Perry in the off season and he explained the, you know, nearly 30 players he had in the senior class and all the playmakers that he had returning this year, we really felt, or he really felt like this year could be a special year. They're four and two. Now they've beaten Watertown. They've beaten Charlesdale County. What has been so special about this season? What has made this season so special for, for Westmoreland? Well, I think a couple of things. I think uh, the first thing is uh, like, Chad told you senior leadership they've got about 15 guys as part of that senior class that really have been leaders they've been guys who have been standout players for several years we're talking guys like Nick Gray Cameron Eden Eli Stafford Marshall Booker Dawson Borders the list goes on and on Bryce Kittrell uh, these guys who have started a lot of them since they were sophomores or played a lot since they were sophomores. So it's their time. And I think that's a big part of it. And then the other part of it is the defense. If you notice most of Westmoreland's games, they're not a lot of game. They're not involved in a lot of 42 to 38 games. They're involved in a lot of 16 to 13 type games. And that defense usually finds a way to bail them out. Uh, even if the offense isn't clicking and it's been better lately, the defense usually finds a way to keep them in most every ball game. Yeah, you look at their scores, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of 14-13s, a lot of 20-15s, 20-nothings. You do get a 42-nothing in there uh, when they beat Trousdale County, so I'm sure they really like that one. But, Terry, I want to go back to week one. You know, last year was such a tough loss at Portland, right? You lose on a last-second field goal. And for them to win it this year, what do you think that did for their confidence just in week one? I think it set the tone for the whole year. Just like last year, the loss seemed to set the tone for the whole year. Last year, in a lot of close games, they would always seem to come up short. They would find a way to lose, even though they had opportunities to win. They started the year 0-6, and and I'd say four of those losses were probably a touchdown or less, some of them just a point or two. And this year, when they won at Portland, I think that gave them the confidence to say, hey, this year we're going to figure out a way. We went through what we went through last year. This year we're going to be on the right end of a lot of these close games. Now, they did lose at Macon County 20-15, to 15, and they had a shot to win that ball game, uh, but uh, couldn't come through. But other than that, 
they'd pretty much been in every ball game. The only game that they really felt like they were really dominated was against Smith County and their massive offensive line that averaged about 250 per man. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about those two games. One, Macon County, this is a Tigers team that's undefeated. Uh, is ro- It seems like they're rolling, but had a chance to win that game. I'm curious. That Obviously, it was a tough loss driving back home, but surely those guys felt like, hey, you know, it's it's a you know anything can happen in this game. Truly, gave them confidence, even despite the loss, right? Yeah, I think it probably did because they got a safety toward the end of the game. It looked like they they had pinned Macon County back on the one, got a safety, which made it twenty to fifteen, which gave them the ball back. And then I think they got a first down uh, on that drive, but then the drive kind of fizzled out in the edge of Macon County territory there at the end of the ball game, and that kind of allowed the Tigers to earn the win but I think that the Eagles knew that they could play ball with just about anybody on their schedule and then you look at how Macon County dominated Portland Friday night and you certainly look back at 20 to 15 and say hey that that's not too bad yeah and 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 really even Smith County I know it's 13 nothing they're a 5A program that's been really really good um, you know, you said that they felt like they were they were really kind of out of that game. But, you know, they've played Portland, who's 5A, Smith County, who's 5A, Macon County, who's 4A. They played Clay County. I know Clay County is only 1A, but they were an undefeated Clay County team. This is a team that had, that is going through the ringer right now, and it should pay dividends for them. Is that kind of their thought process? Yeah, I think so. Because last year when they went 3-7, and seven, you looked at the schedule, and it was like they had hit everybody – on their schedule is having an up year. Almost every team they played had a large senior class. They had, uh, you know, they were going through an up time in their program. This year, I think they were hoping to catch some of them down, but some of those teams are still up. And, and you mentioned Clay County. Zach, don't be surprised if you see them make a deep run in the 1A playoffs because they have something that a lot of 1A teams don't. They have quarterbacks and receivers who can who can really – move the football down the field with big chunk plays. The Eagles really were fortunate to win that game Friday night because Clay County has some playmaking ability. Yeah, most certainly. I heard uh, I heard your call there uh, on WHIN at the end of it, the, the, the missed two-point conversion to, to get the win. But, you know, this is a team – they put so much focus in, in Watertown and Charlottesville County in the region, right? And, and rightfully so. That, those are two teams that have periodically dominated this region. They beat them by a combined 62 nothing at this point. But now it seems like East Robertson is going to be the team that gets in the way. I guess what's the feelings right now going into this White's Creek game before that massive uh, what should be region region championship showdown? Yeah, I think, you know, you got to go there and you got to take care of business. White's Creek, has, they, they have athletic ability, but they've been down the last few years. And I think, you know, the, the two things you want to accomplish – out of this game is one, you want to, you want to come out with a win and two, you want to avoid any serious injuries. And then you've got a bye week and then the showdown with East Robertson. Now I'll tell you the interesting thing about the East Robertson matchup with Westmoreland. Uh, These two teams have played each other since these kids were in middle school. And when they were in middle school, it was, there was some amazing matchup when these, when this group of seniors, when they were seventh graders, they defeated East Robertson and Taylor Groves, who had five touchdowns in the game. They defeated them in the regular season. They played a rematch in the bowl game, and East Robertson won the bowl game. The next year, when this group of seniors was eighth graders, 
East Robertson won the regular season meeting and Westmoreland defeated them in the bowl game to win the region championship in, in the middle school ranks. So very, some, been some very good competition between these two programs over the last few years, dating back all the way to the time that these boys were in the seventh grade. That's awesome. That's, that's good stuff right there. And, uh, you know, obviously it's going to be a really big game here coming up, but you're, but you mentioned the bye week um, you know, how are they doing as far you know, you say, obviously you want to get through this game without any big injuries. How are they doing on that side of the ball? Like, how are they doing with their injuries right now? And is the bye week coming at the right time for them? I think it is coming at the right time because it's going to give them an extra week to prepare for the team that they're going to face for the region championship, most likely. And there's also a chance that uh, they could get senior uh, wing back and defensive end Dylan Beasley back. He was thought to be lost for the season when he suffered a broken neck in the game. But the injury is healed. Uh, He is supposed to be cleared here in the next couple of weeks. The brace is off, and he may get to play some snaps beginning with the East Robertson game. So that is great, great news. He's such a good kid, a leader on this team, and a boy that, you know, a lot of the guys looked up to. It was feared that he was lost for his senior year, but he may get to come back and play, and if he can, that will really give them uh, an extra boost uh, to, ha- to add another skill position player in that backfield. That is a wonderful story, Terry, that uh, that he could just be in the position to come back after, you said, breaking his neck against Portland. That's that's remarkable for him to be able to be in this position. Terry, I want to ask you one more thing before we let you go. We think that Westmoreland is going to finish one or two in their region. What does that mean for the playoff outlook? Do you have any do you have any insight on on just what the road in the playoffs looks like for Westmoreland? Well, it's going to mean for one thing that they won't have to travel to right. County or <laughs> Polk County or Chattanooga Tyner. Yeah. Those are the three destinations that they've been to over the years it seems. You know, they might as well in, in years past they might as well go ahead and schedule a trip to Marion County yeah. in week 11 <laughs> because it seems like they face them every year. Yep. It, it makes a world of difference when you're going that far for a playoff game. Sometimes it makes a world of difference to have them come to you where you're rested. You, you know, you've been, you know, preparing. You don't have to get on the road and make a two or three hour road trip. So I think it's the first home. It would be the first home playoff game. I think that they've had probably since about 2013 or 14 when, uh, Brad and Michael Evans and Justice Graves were still playing. They played York Institute at home and won. Wow, that is uh, well. It's certainly been a long time coming, and, and I know one that um, you know Westmoreland is hopefully looking forward to. But you know, if you look at that, if you look at the playoff picture with Marion County in that Region Three Two A, guess who? Guess who's sitting at number three in the region right now, Terry? It's it's the good old Marion County Warriors. Uh, <laughs> Want to thank Terry McCormick for hopping on this morning to talk a little Westmoreland football. Always great to uh, give a little love to the uh, to the school north in north part of the county. But you know that interview was sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office, where fans don't let fans drive drunk. We are going to take a quick break, but on the other side, we are going to talk three big things. It was just a few drinks. I'm good. I thought it was good. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was no big deal. Hey, I can hold my liquor. I thought I could hold my liquor. 
It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really good try. There aren't any cops around. I didn't think there were any cops around. I drink and drive all the time. Sir. Sir, you've been in a serious crash. I need you to hang on, okay? And just like that, we're back. This is the Sumner County Sports Podcast presented by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office where fans don't let fans drive drunk. want to thank again Terry McCormick for jumping on with us earlier today to talk a little Westmoreland football before he gets out to Tennessee Titans practice, which it's about 1245 right now, so they should be getting ready to, to go inside and just see what uh, what all practice has got in store for them today. So uh, for all your latest Titans coverage, make sure you're following Terry McCormick uh, on Twitter. I believe his his at is TerryMC13, but uh, on, on online at TitanInsider.com is where you'll see all the latest uh, Titans coverage from today's, today's practice. But uh, as I promised before the break, we were going to get to the three big things this week. And in no particular order, we're going to go – First and foremost, with the Gallatin uh, Green Wave honoring their 1992 state champion football team this past week during homecoming. You can actually check out the Gallatin News this week uh, for an extensive, extensive, exclusive feature on that 1992 team. It's running on the front of the Gallatin News. We'll also have uh, game coverage and homecoming coverage, the parade, and all that good stuff in the sports section. So make sure you're picking up the Gallatin News this week to see all of that good stuff. Because uh, I know you scrapbookers are really gonna gonna love what what we have in store for you this week. We've got pictures from the 1992 season. We've got the two deep roster on both offensive defense. We've got the full roster. We've got um, parade photos and more. So you're not gonna want to miss out on that. So make sure you're checking out the Gallatin News. You can see that on MainStreetPreps.com. You can also th- see the story on GallatinNews.com as well. Um, and then the second big thing this week. I know it's football season and that kind of dominates the headlines, but I wanted to give a little love to volleyball and soccer this week. Volleyball specifically, um, simply because they have wrapped up their regular their district regular season um, with last night's games. Today's Wednesday, yesterday, obviously Tuesday. Uh, and with that, we've got some final district standings uh, that are going to shake out. I, I don't know a tiebreaker. There is a tiebreaker between the second and third seed. Um, and I'll have to go back and, and, and look at the schedule to see what the tiebreaker scenarios are. But for right now, Station Camp has won the district with a 7-1 and one record. And then tied for second and third is Portland and Gallatin at 5-2. and two. Those two teams actually split their regular season uh, series this year. Portland won the first game at Portland. Gallatin won the second game at Gallatin. So uh, they're tied at second. Beach in third or fourth, excuse me, with a 2-6 and six record in Hendersonville, uh, in last place with an 0-8 record. They, they are all but Gallatin and Beach have a match left. Station Camp's going to play against South Warren. Portland's going to play against East Robertson. And Hendersonville is going to get play against Springfield before the district tournament begins uh, next week. So something to keep an eye on for volleyball season as, as the district and region tournament get ready to get underway. You know, Station Camp has kind of dominated this district for the last six years. And uh, Gallatin, the only team to hand Station Camp a district loss in the last six years. They did that earlier this year. Station Camp beat Gallatin uh, in their second meeting, but nevertheless, Gallatin able to hand Station Camp their only loss in district play in the last six years. So something to be said uh, for that. I think Station Camp 
uh, Portland and Gallatin all poised to make a run at the region tournament this year. So really excited to see how that uh, district tournament shakes out for volleyball. And then quick note on the soccer thing. You know, they've all got a couple of district games left. Minus minus Beach. Beach has only station camp left on October 4th. Gallatin's got Hendersonville left on October 6th. 6th. Um, but they sit on the outside looking in on those top two seeds between station camp and Hendersonville as both the Bison and Commandos are undefeated at 1-0 in league play. Coincidentally, they both still have to play each other. Station camp has Hendersonville and Beach left, and Hendersonville has station camp and Gallatin left in region play. So, uh, Station Camp and Hendersonville are going to play on September 29th. So this Thursday, something to keep an eye out on for. So, you know, by the time the next Sumner County podcast rolls around, we'll be able to update that uh, w- along with the um, the district volleyball tournament as well. And then our last big thing to get into, our football slate for this week. What else are we going to talk about? It's football season. If you haven't checked out the latest pick it's online currently at MainStreetPreps.com. I improved to 33 and 11 throughout the season so far this week. I was seven and two uh, last week. I did get two games wrong last week. I got Gallatin Cookville wrong. I said Cookville was going to win. And I got Portland making County wrong. I said Portland was going to win. Making County blew them open. Uh, and, and Gallatin put up nearly 60 on Cookville. So you could say there they blew them out of the water pretty good as well. But uh, as far as this week is concerned, a lot of region play. In fact, it's, it's nothing but region play. You've got Beach versus West Creek, a game where I think Beach is going to win. But I do think West Creek is not the West Creek of old. You know, Beach is going to have to earn that one, but I do think they will. You've got Gallatin at Rossview. I'm picking Gallatin in that one because, you know, Rossview, I just don't think offensively has what it takes to get it done. Um, Hendersonville at Clarksville, I've got the Commandos winning that one. Pope Prep versus NBA. It should have been the game of the week, but Kenny Mitchie is going to miss this week due to an upper body injury, specifically a shoulder injury. So, you know, NBA probably going to roll in that one. Portland hosting Kenwood. I think Portland's going to win. Station camp at Mount Juliet on a special Thursday night. I think Mount Juliet's going to take that one. And Westmoreland at White's Creek. Again, I've got Westmoreland winning that one pretty easily on the road. So uh, those are our three big things this week. We're going to take another quick break, but when we do, we're going to get into our player of the week a little bit of overtime, and then we're going to close out the the show with the smoothest jumper in the game. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. (laughs) (laughs) You did a really good try. There aren't any cops around. I didn't think there were any cops around. I drink and drive all the time. Sir, sir, you've been in a serious crash. I need you to hang on, okay? Love your name, sir. It was just a few drinks. I'm good. I thought it was good. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was no big deal. Hey, I can hold my liquor. Thought I could hold my liquor. And we're back just like that. Presented by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office, where fans don't let fans drive drunk. Want to appreciate or want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend a little time with me talking about Sumner County High School sports. 
want to thank Terry McCormick for joining us earlier today to talk about Westmoreland and their hot start, 4-2 and two on the year. Got a big region game against White's Creek coming up this week before their bye week and then the region championship with East Robertson in a few weeks. Uh, we talked three big things. We gave some shout-out love to volleyball, soccer. We talked about the high school football slate that's coming up Friday and Thursday night. And uh, that leaves us only with a couple things to do. And one of the things we always love to do here on the Sumner County Sports Podcast, we love shouting out players of the week. And this week we're going to do that with two, with Gallatin's Jaheim Merriweather. You see him right there to the left of your screen carrying the ball. I can't make out who he's picking up a block from, but clearly it is springing him loose because Jaheim Merriweather was a standout performer rushing for 199 yards and four touchdowns in Gallatin's big 58-29 to 29 win over Cookville on homecoming. This was a game where Gallatin honored their 1992 state champion team. Uh, was a big night. was a fun night to be at the Wave Yard for all in attendance. Was, uh, was just a good night for all involved. So congratulations to Jaheim Merriweather on his performance. Congratulations to his offensive line, to players like the one shown here that I can't make out to for blocking him and springing him loose to allow him to get those yards. So just a big team win for Gallatin this week or last week, excuse me, excited, anxious to see if they they can carry it over this week on the road. So again, Jaheim Merriweather, our Sumner County podcast player of the week, rushing for 199 yards and four touchdowns in the win over Cookville. And a last thing before we let you go this week, we're going to go into a little overtime and surprise, surprise, we're going to talk about Tennessee football because you know what? It's going to be two weeks of pure bliss as a Tennessee fan. I'm 32 years old, born in 1990. So, you know, I do remember the days of good Tennessee football. I remember in 1998 when they beat Florida. You know, I remember in 1998 when they beat Arkansas. I remember when they won the SEC championship game. And of course I remember when they won the net. I remember in 2001, um, the great season that was that turned into the disappointment of losing to Louisiana state university in the SEC championship game ultimately cost Tennessee a trip to the national title where they would have played Florida state yet again. Instead, they go on to beat Michigan in the citrus bowl, beat them, beat them easily. I don't, I don't remember the final score, but they boat raced. Them. I remember 2004, that great season that ended with a, a cotton bowl victory over Texas A&M. And I remember 07 winning the SEC East and playing for, the title, once again, losing to Louisiana State University. But ever since then, it's really been kind of downhill for Tennessee as my, as a fan. For the last 15 years, it's it's been we're hanging our head. We're, we're not proud to wear a Tennessee gear. We don't want to talk about them in overtime. So, you know, even, even under Butch Jones, you know, I remember back in 2015 going to the Tennessee-Oklahoma game, checker-kneeling game, and losing that game to Baker Mayfield and, and thinking to myself, it's fake. There's there's something that doesn't add up under Butch Jones, and it proved to be right. Yes, I saw. I know 2016 happened. You're six and zero. You beat Florida. The Dobnell boot. But I would argue with you that if it wasn't for Josh Dobbs, Butch Jones never would have lasted as long as he did at Tennessee. Butch Jones' best win came on National Signing Day when he flipped Josh Dobbs away from Arizona State and landing him landed him in Knoxville. So it never felt real under Butch Jones. But I can confidently say it finally feels real under Josh Heupel as a Tennessee fan. Because for the longest time, our criteria was, what can you do in year two? What can you prove to us? What can you show us 
by the second year that shows that you are the coach that we need, that we want, that we're looking for. And by golly, year two came along and he has made some noise. He has won, not one, but two games where old Tennessee teams would have lost at Pittsburgh and against Florida. The reason I say they would have lost those in years past because they did lose those in years past. They lost the Pittsburgh game last year. They lost to Florida every year since 2016. And they tried to lose they tried to lose both those games this year against Pittsburgh and Florida. But you know what? They made plays when it mattered most. You know, I made the comment at some point in the game against Florida that the, the Vols had adopted the 2020 Titans defense. Couldn't get off the field on third down. Gave up every fourth down. But you know what? When it mattered most, they made plays. They caused the fumble on, on uh, Anthony Richardson. They went and got pressure on the would-be game-winning Hail Mary. They got pressure, forced the interception, made a play. So as a Tennessee fan, I'm going to take the next two weeks to be excited. And I don't think there's anything you could say or tell me to talk me off of this high. Are we going to win at LSU? I'm not sure. It's going to be tough, but they avoided they avoided a big bullet by getting a day game instead of a night game. Are they going to beat Alabama? Probably not. Are they going to beat Georgia? Probably not. Are they going to win the SEC East? They can't do it unless they beat Georgia and Alabama because, you know, Georgia doesn't have to play Alabama this year, at least I don't think. And their biggest rival, Florida, they have the luxury of playing on a neutral site every year. So it's not like that's going to be a tough game. So are they going to win the SEC East? Not likely. But could they go 10-2? and two? Sure, because all you have to do is beat LSU, Kentucky, two tough games, sure, and avoid the mistake, avoid the disaster, avoid South Carolina, avoid Missouri, avoid UT Martin, avoid Vanderbilt, and you get to 10-2. and two. Is, But the floor, 8-4, and four, if you told me before the season Tennessee would go 8-4, and four, I would have took it without even looking at the schedule. I would have took it because that would have been improvement in year two under Josh Heupel. Now we sit here 4-0 at the end of September with the very realistic possibility that Tennessee could be 5-0 hosting the University of Alabama. And I tell you what, that would be the first game since 2007 when Nick Saban's first year that I would take a cigar to that game, meaning that ceremonially, the, the third Saturday in October, which the UT Alabama game was known for for so, so long, the winner would smoke a cigar. Well, for the last 13 years or whatever, or for the last Nick Saban era, you know, before before Nick Saban, 2006, I think Tennessee won the last time they won. We haven't been able to smoke a cigar. If I were going to that game, if, if Tennessee beat LSU and I was going to that game, I would bring a cigar. Not because I think they they will win, but just because I think there's a realistic possibility they could win. And I think that right there is enough to satisfy Tennessee fans right now, because there haven't been very many years where you went into Alabama thinking, Hey, we could win this football game. So shout out to the university of Tennessee for giving the fans something to believe in. Shout out to Josh Heupel for the incredible coaching job that he's done. I mean, think about it. 17, 18 months ago, this Tennessee team, this Tennessee roster, had like 50 players on the team after what happened under Jeremy Pruitt's leadership. All the best players had exited. They had gone. They're they're off on greener pastures. Josh Heupel has taken has taken a 
a C-plus roster, no disrespect, with a couple NFL talents and has put them in position to be a top-10 program in the country four weeks in. So shout-out to Josh Heupel and the the job that Tennessee staff is doing, and uh, we're excited. We're excited as Tennessee fans, and it's a great day to be a Vol. And that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Sumner County Sports Podcast. I want to thank Terry McCormick for jumping in to talk Westmoreland football. We talked three big things. We gave a shout-out to Tennessee football, and we're going to close it out as only we know how best. We're going to shoot on that basket right there. Got the paper. I said, well, it's been said to me, I'm the Steph Curry of paper basket. So paper basketball. So that those are other people's words. That's, that's not my words. I'm just saying, I think I have the smoothest jumper in the game. If it goes in great. If not, Hey, we'll shoot again next week. This is the only time I shoot on this hoop, just so you know. So I only shoot once a week. So no excuses. I mean, that's bottom. I'll see you next week.